watching the video there facing the wrong way. How are you doing this morning, church? Are you excited? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah, are you good? Good to see you. It's good to be here with you this morning. I'm so excited to get into the message. I'm excited to get into this series, Suit Up. Say with me the words, Suit Up. Say it again. Say it like you're here. Suit Up. Suit Up. Very good. You guys are amazing. You know, I was driving in. I went to Yosemite yesterday and and uh, what a beautiful day it was. I was driving back into the valley, and I was struck by the beauty of the things coming to life. I was struck by the, the blossoms on the almond trees. You can see all around our property. Don't you know, we have a beautiful property here, and, and, uh, and everything's coming to life. And as I was driving back into the valley, I was just amazed um, because I felt like the presence of the Lord was just speaking to me. You know, if you'll stop and listen, God will speak to you. I had to turn the music off and just think about the presence of the Lord and that sort of thing, but as I'm driving in, I felt like I was just speaking in my heart, just saying, yeah, the trees are coming to life, but I want to bring my people to life. I felt like the Spirit of the Lord was just talking to me the whole time, like this is just a picture, just a, a snippet of what God wants to do in the hearts of His people. And I want to say before we begin this morning that I believe God wants to bring the valley to life. I've been talking about that, Pastor, we've been talking about that now for a while. I believe God wants to send revival. I'm not talking about sensationalism. And I'm not talking about hype, Pastor Bobby. I'm talking about revival of heart, revival of spirit and life to the valley. So I, I just receive that by faith in the name of Jesus. You can open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. It's in the New Testament, uh, kind of in the middle of the New Testament. It's one of the books written by Paul the Apostle. And as you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of setup before we get into the text this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'll give you a, a hot minute to find it. Uh, but before we get there, there's some things that you got to understand because contextually, things change and context matters. Let me say it again because I said that oddly. Let me, let me just back up and try that again. Context matters, all right? That's what I tried to say. And context changes things, okay? And so let me give you a little bit of context before we get into our lead text this morning in Ephesians chapter 6. But what Paul has done is he's written to this church and he's, and he's put hundreds and hundreds of words revolving around the behaviors, say with me, the behaviors, the practices, or what we call the doctrines of the church, all right? And so the first couple chapters in our Bible and in the book of Ephesians, we're going to see the practices, the unity in the body of Christ, the being in Christ, the behaviors, the role of the pastor, what it looks like when the church is operating the right way. And so what I would say is the first three to four chapters are really heavy about the practices, the behaviors, say again with me, the behaviors of the church. Do you know that behaviors matter for the follower of Jesus? Behaviors matter. And what Paul is doing is he's stressing to make sure that we as the believer understand how you act full of the Spirit of God matters. In the middle of the, the, the sort of... Um, uh, context that I'm providing, Paul kind of breaks out into this, this prayer of worship. And many of you will be super familiar with Ephesians chapter 3, kind of verses 18 through 21. And, and basically the highlight of his, his prayer, uh, the highlight of, of what he's talking about right there is that God can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine. That, that God's expectations for us are greater than anything we could ever Imagine, let me just say this, this is important because Paul's setting it up, he's saying there's behaviors that take place in the church, and when you behave the right way, it frees the Spirit of God up to do things that will blow your imagination. 
Let me say it again. There's a order to things, and what Paul is doing is saying when you walk with Jesus, when there's unity in Christ, when you behave as a spiritual church, a spiritual church, God can do things that otherwise aren't possible. And this is all sort of a preface to the text that we're going to get into this morning, and now let's read together in Ephesians chapter 6. Are you ready this morning? I'm ready this morning. It was funny, I lose my voice every Sunday morning. I realized a couple weeks ago why I lose my voice. It's because I'm singing my throat out in the front row with the worship team. And every time I get up here, I'm like, why is my voice already gone? You know, and then I realized that the whole front row has been blessed by, ah, you know, for like a couple minutes. And it's not that bad, trust me, but, but, it, but it's not good either. All right. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is from the pen of Paul the Apostle, he says, a final word. A what? A final word. Now, I'm going to pause and interrupt myself a little bit because this is important to remember. Paul set up what he's getting to write about. He says, listen to me, behavior matters in the church. May I just pause and remind us that the church in 2018, that our behavior, our conduct still matters to God. It still matters. And when our conduct is right, when our lifestyles are pleasing and holy to the Lord, it does something where God can move, otherwise where he might not be as inclined to move. And then he says, now a final word. So he wants us to understand what he's saying. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong where? In the Lord. And in his mighty power, we sing about it this morning. And I don't even remember the lyrics right now, but we were singing about the lion uh, the lamb, right, and that his power is roaring. And I just think about, like, dude, God is so cool. He's so powerful. We got no stinking clue. We got no clue. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In verse 11, he says, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies, strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, say with me, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to pause and ask yourself, what is this therefore? I'm serious. Because it means pay attention. So he's already said a final word. And now he says, pay attention. This is the summation of his epistle. So he continues, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, say with me, after the battle. After the battle. See, it's important that there is an after the battle. Somebody just needs to be reminded this morning that your battle will end. Where you'll be standing is up to you. But your battle will end. I'd also like to point out the fact that you will have battles. See, some of us grew up in a church, and I did, where I was taught that if there was a spiritual battle, I was doing something wrong. Anybody else grow up in that church? Like, well, if there's any attack in your life, well, clearly you're not being spiritual enough for God to uh, have his presence in every possible situation. Stay out of my church with that theology, all right? Because let me tell you, the battle is coming. And if you wear the full armor of God, you will stand firm after the battle. This is straight out of the Word of God. I'm not even in my notes. This could be bad. Then after the battle, you will 
still be standing firm. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. I want to stand firm before the battle, in the battle, and after the battle. And then verse 14, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. It says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, which Pastor Bill talked about last week. If you didn't hear it, get online, check it out. To stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness. The body armor of God's righteousness. Say with me, God's righteousness. Whose righteousness? Not yours. God's righteousness. So stand your ground, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. God's righteousness. Amen. So let's put everything into perspective before I get into the teaching and into the preaching this morning. Paul has spent three to four chapters, as we have it broken down in canon today, talking about the habits, talking about the doctrine, talking about the practices of the church. Amidst that, he recognizes, because the Spirit of the Lord is still saying the same things in 2018, that he was saying way back when, that when you serve God, when you walk in sound doctrine, when you behave the right way, that God can exceed your expectation, that God can exceed the things that you could even ask or imagine. In fact, it sounds a little bit like the best is yet to come to me, Adrian. It sounds a little bit to me like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived for what God has in store for those who love him. It sounds like to me this theme repeats itself in Scripture. It sounds like to me, Pastor Bill, that we can get fired up with the fact that if we are walking how God wants us to walk, that we can claim by faith that his spirit, that his provision, that his blessing will go before us because it's his word, not mine, and that we need to be strong in the Lord and not our practices. This is what this sounds like to me when I step back and I read contextually, when I read in the whole picture of what Paul's writing about, and it's so important that we understand that this morning, that Paul wants us to know, yes, God will move when you walk in your conduct that is pleasing to him, but make sure you make no mistake about it. You can't be strong in your conduct. You've got to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The first point this morning is be strong in the Lord. Say it with me. It'll just sound good coming off of your lips. Be strong in the Lord. Why is it that it's so easy to be strong in everything that isn't the Lord? Oh, that must just be my life then. Why is it that it can be so hard to be strong in the Lord, but strong in myself again? Why is it? That we can be strong in lots of things, but not the Lord as Christians. Why is it that we can be strong in the gym? Now, finally, brothers, be strong in the gym. Ah. Sounds good, right? Why is it that it can be so hard to be strong in the Lord, but yet this is everything to Paul who says, yeah, you got to live the right way, and God wants to do above what you could even ask or imagine. The best is yet to come, Paul, when you're serving the Lord, but you can't be strong in yourself. you got to be strong in me. Why is it that it's so easy to be strong in things that are, quote, insignificant, end quote? And I don't mean that in the truest sense of the word, but things that are spiritually meaningless, things that are eternally meaningless. It's so easy to be strong in our intentions. It's so easy to be strong in our golf game, fellas. It's so easy to be strong in our relationships. 
Let me tell you, if your phone is the last thing you see before you go to bed, this is me texting, not being weird. That's what this is. If your phone is the first thing you see when you wake up, you're probably stronger in your phone than you are the Lord. Can I encourage you to keep your phone off? Let's just close in prayer. You'll appreciate that later, but the things that go through my mind. I'm actually filtering like 90% of them. I know you don't believe me, but why is it that we can be strong in things that don't really matter when it comes to the areas we need to be strong in? Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in in the Lord. Now I'm lingering here for a couple minutes on the front end of this message because if we miss this, we miss everything. If we miss this, we miss every illustration that he wants to put in Ephesians chapter 6. If we miss this, we are playing games with our faith. If we miss this, hold the phone. Be strong in the Lord. You say, Pastor, how do I find myself being strong in the Lord. Anybody else in here just not the sharpest knife in the drawer? Is it just me? Sometimes you need somebody to just like really dumb it down, right? Uh, let me dumb it down for you like this, because this is the way I have to take my medicine when it comes to the Word of God. So we are in good company this morning, but let me just put it like this. When you are strong in the Lord, it means that you lean into and you identify with things that honor God. When you are strong in the Lord, what it means is that prayer, oh my goodness, I said it, prayer matters to you. When you are strong in the Lord, it means that you are taking effort to fast and believe God to do things in your life that won't otherwise happen if you're not fasting. When you are strong in the Lord, it means that you're taking time to memorize Scripture. When you are strong in the Lord, I said this first service, I, I, I almost say culturally like scripture memorization is one of these things where, where it's almost touche. Let me just put it to you like this. How about scripture intake, Pastor Chris? How about we just take time to read the word of God and find some strength in there? You say, Pastor, I'm not the best memorizer. Me neither, friends. But let me tell you, you can still read the word of God. You can intake it and it can feed your soul. And what that means is that we're prioritizing things that matter to God and not things that matter to us. Being strong in the Lord. I had a great conversation with a brother I, I love so dearly in the church this week, and, and we were talking a little bit about this, and I think Pastor Darrell might have been in the room for a little bit of this conversation. And, and I was talking about this point where we find strength in God. And for me, and I'm just giving you my life, all right, take it or leave it. Everything in here is a buffet. Take it or leave it. Um, but for my life, when I began to identify with the strength of God was when I made the decision that the Word of God would change from, oh, that's nice, to that's what I need to do. Be strong in the Lord. Oh, that's nice. Armor. Cool. I don't know what that was. Don't ask me. Pastor Chris told me it would work. So, Going from, oh, that's cool, armor. I get to wear armor as a Christian to, I'm not going to make it without the armor. 
One of the verses that's been foundational to my life because I learned early on that I have, an, I have, have an appetite for things that don't honor God. It's called sin nature. Welcome to the club. Nobody's allowed. You're like, I am way more spiritual than this pastor. I'll tell you that right now. Good for you. One of the verses that's been important to me, 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me say it again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. Man, it'd be great to be godly with and content with that. That's cool. That's, somebody will enjoy that. God, I need to realign my value system to know that what brings me wealth, what brings me satisfaction in this life is godliness. And then on top of that, Father, I pray that you'd give me a spirit of contentment with so that I would find value in serving you and value in godliness and then finding my joy in that because my appetite wants me to just think, oh, that's nice. You want to be strong in the Lord? Move the word of God from a place of, oh, that's nice to a place of saying, I'm going to do what it takes to bring this truth into my life and align myself to the word of God so that the standard of God would be my reward system. So often we believe that we can live to our standard, hence Ephesians. Remember I talked about this? Conduct matters. Behavior matters. Oh, I can do whatever I want, but when I need God, I'll call on his name, and he's saying, no, 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 no. You live to my standard so you can have my strength. You put my armor on so you can walk in my so often we want the strength of God, but we're living to standards that we wouldn't even tell a, a heathen. And God's saying conduct matters. And when you live the right way, when you walk in holiness, when you walk in purity, when you walk with the presence of God, I will exceed your expectations beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine, and then finally be strong in me, and you watch what I can do. Oh my goodness, it's noon. Point number two, <clears throat> don't go halfway. That's what I was trying to do in that first point, give it all I got. Don't go halfway. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And then you can stand against the strategies of the evil. Don't go halfway. How many of you have ever left work? driven halfway home to check to see if your garage door opener would work. I hope nobody was blessed by that. Stay with me. How many of you ever put half a tank of gas in your car and expected to get full mileage? A little bit too much laughter going on in here. How many of you have ever deposited your paycheck, and expected to get double when you wanted to go withdraw. Now, I'm preaching right now if you're listening. Because so often we show up and we go, mm, 
I prayed for 18 seconds today. I put that belt of truth on. I'm ready to go. Satan's looking for you because you've only got the belt on and you're expecting 100% results. Don't go halfway with the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. So often as Christians, we show up because we're feeling real good. Wearing the helmet of salvation, thinking that that's all that we need. But really, there's a belt of truth and a breastplate of righteousness and a shield of faith and shoes that are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Paul's saying, put on the full armor of God, because when you've got the full armor of God, then you'll be able to stand. But if you go halfway, you're dead meat. Don't go halfway. Don't do it. Say, I like going halfway. Many of us do, because it's easier. That guy's getting set free back there. I love it. I don't know who it was, so don't, don't write me or anything. But this is the point, number three. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. Don't go halfway. Why? Because we have an enemy, and he's real. And he wants you to suffer, Chris. We have an enemy of our souls, and he's gunning for the people with less armor. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us that the devil roams around like a lion seeking those who he may devour. You think he's looking for the guy wearing full body armor or the guy who's just got a belt on? We have an enemy, and we would do well to remember that there is spiritual attack into your life and into my life and in the life of everybody that we love, but God has given us the solution. He said, suit up. He said, put the full armor of God on, because when you put the full armor of God on, you can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Church, I'm here to declare to you this morning that if you put the full armor of God on, if you put it all on, and you walk by faith, not by sight, you will watch God bring the best into your life in 2018. You will watch him exceed your expectation. You will watch him move in your life, in the lives of your children, in the lives of your spouse. But you got to put the full armor on. Satan wants to ruin your life. I can't stress it enough. He wants to see you bleed out spiritually. He wants to see you lacking joy. He wants to see the fire taken out of your soul so you don't care about anything. He wants to see a room full of complacent Christians who are just satisfied with last week's whatever. He wants the room full of dead faith, full of doubt, hurting your family, lying, confusing your children. But if you put on the full armor of God, you'll stand. There will be an end to that battle. And you'll be standing victorious. I'll go the other way to say if you're going halfway and you're not putting on the full armor of God, you will not stand. And you will not be victorious. And your witness will crumple in front of you and in your friends. Because in moments of hurt and in moments of doubt, you will be leaning into the strength that does not come from God and it cannot sustain you when time gets rough. We have an enemy. Suit up. Suit up. Now I'm ready to preach.
Number four, number four, the breastplate of righteousness keeps the wrong stuff out. Why does Paul use an illustration of a piece of armor? First of all, because everybody understood in that day what body armor or a breastplate would have looked like. Everybody would have understand that it is integral, that it's key to the body armor. Let me put it like this. What's behind the breastplate? Your heart. You cannot live without your heart. And you cannot live without your spiritual heart. You know what Solomon says in Proverbs 4.23? He says, above all else, guard your heart. Because from it flow the wellsprings of life. What Solomon understood, the wisest man who's ever lived, he understood that from the heart comes everything. Which is why Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness because it will protect your spiritual heart. Our vital organs are in there. Look, you can live without a lung. You can live without some organs for a while, but you cannot live without a heart. And you cannot live spiritually without putting on the breastplate of righteousness, Pastor Chris. You cannot live, Pastor Bobby, spiritually without putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a second. You say, okay, I know what a breastplate is. I get what it does. But what is righteousness? Righteousness is the quality of being righteous. The quality of being righteous. I've got news for you. You can't do that on your own. You cannot be righteous enough on your own. In fact, if you could, the cross would be emptied of its power. And we would not need a Savior named Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You can't be righteous in yourself. Well, what am I supposed to do then, Adrian? I'm glad you asked, self. I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And let me illustrate it in this way. One of the greatest scriptures in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5.21. Listen to this. The breastplate of righteousness. It says this. Paul writes, he says, God made him, him being Jesus in this case, who had no sin. Oh, my goodness. I'm about to start preaching. Who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him who in him in him we might become the righteousness of God I've got news for you you can't put on a righteousness in and of yourself that can earn the love of God it comes only when we accept Jesus who became righteousness on our behalf the inside of our hearts to do what we could not do let me just say it like this. When you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness, there is no earthly measure. There is no effort that we can have. We must put on the person of Jesus Christ within our hearts so that we might be able to stand against, oh my goodness, I'm losing my breath, the enemy when the battle comes. The only way, the only way is to put Jesus in our hearts. Listen to me, church. The church has been complicating children's storybooks for hundreds of years. And I'm here to uncomplicate it. The breastplate of righteousness is seen when you put Jesus on. When you put Jesus in. It's the only way 
to receive God's righteousness. Literally, I want you to imagine this, that when you accept Jesus into your heart, literally what happens, all the sin gets pushed away, and a righteous figure, a righteous soul, a righteous Savior rests upon you so that when God looks down at you, He does not see you, Bobby. He does not see your filth. He does not see you. He sees the righteousness of Himself in Jesus Christ. The breastplate of righteousness. I'm so fired up. Oh, the God we serve. Have you thought about it today? Take it from, oh, that's nice too. I got to know it. Take it from, Jesus can live in your heart too. Jesus is living in my heart. And everything changes. So much more I want to say. There's only one way righteous there's only one way to put on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm here to declare to you Bear Creek Community Church that it is only found in accepting Jesus into your heart which is why Paul wrote Ephesians the way he did yeah you gotta live a certain way God requires of you things that he doesn't require of pagans deal with it church and when you do it the right way I will bless you the best will be yet to come in your life. But don't get confident in your behavior to be strong in your faith. Do you see the fullness of this message? We need to read our Bibles more, don't we? This righteousness, this is Romans chapter 3, we know this. This righteousness from God comes through faith. In Jesus Christ, to all who believe, I may not say a better word today. This righteousness is available for all who believe. It continues, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short. Listen to me, if you're a sinner, you are. You're in good company today. Because I'm a sinner too. But I've put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is Jesus. I put it on. I said, today, I want that righteousness. I'm going to put on the full armor of God, and I need Jesus in my heart. You can't live without your heart, and you can't live spiritually without Jesus in your heart. You say, well, I feel real spiritual. Good for you. You're not. The breastplate of righteousness. Put it in there. Put it in there. Number five. The last point I want to give you this morning, the breastplate of righteousness keeps the right stuff in. It both keeps from the fiery darts of the evil one penetrating in. Listen to me, if Jesus is in your heart, people talk about you. I've heard that people will say bad things about you in this life. I've heard that. I mean, it doesn't, it never happens to me. But I've heard that it does happen. And 
the only way to keep those things in is by saying, Jesus, you're my strength. It's keeping it all out because it doesn't equal in significance and power what my Jesus is. Oh, man, I hope that's sinking in. The breastplate of righteousness keeps the right stuff in. When you wrap Jesus with your heart, he becomes your righteousness. When you put Jesus inside you, he becomes your righteousness. The presence of Jesus in you, it keeps the right stuff in. I'll remind you of Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Listen to me. If you want to see God, you need Jesus within. We need Jesus within. If you're in here today and you don't know the salvation plan for humanity, you can meet him today. It's Jesus. All you got to do is believe and receive his word. And he'll take residence in your heart. And you become the righteousness of God. It allows you to stand firm when the attacks of the enemy come, and they will come. You know, some time ago, some time ago, I went on a uh, uh, camping trip with camping trip with one of my buddies. You guys know I love Yosemite. Some of you told me to be safe to the activities I did yesterday, which is always an interesting paradigm. Um, but I was safe. That's why I'm here. Just so everybody relax, okay? Uh, I always, I always chuckle when somebody's like, "Be safe," you know, and you're like, "I, I, I was. I'm, I'm here." Because if I wasn't safe, I'd you know, Ash should be cashing in. That's all I'm saying, okay? So um, relax. We can have a sense of humor in the church. I went on a camping trip with one of my buddies, and we went up into Yosemite in October, and that night it got down to 9 degrees. So we hiked up Upper Yosemite Falls. We carried in 70, 75-pound backpacks. We went in at night. We carried in, like, the headlamps. I know I'm a geek. It's okay. But we carry, you know, we were like all lighted up. It was so much fun. We're looking down on the valley and all the fires. It looked like, it looked like a giant Christmas tree down on the, the valley floor. For those of you who have not been to Yosemite and you've lived here more than five years, shame on you. That's all I'm going to say about that, okay? Because it is God's masterpiece to the universe, I'm telling you. Somebody should have been set free in that. That wasn't in my notes, but it'll get better. Just stay with me. We camped out that night, and it was so cold. And you know what? My back, my sleeping bag was not weathered for nine degrees. It was 40. It was weathered for 40. Now, in case you don't know, what that means is this sleeping bag will technically keep you alive in 40-degree weather or above. It was nine. I didn't sleep four minutes that night. You know why? Because I was freezing. Mm -hmm. Freezing. I got so sick coming back from that trip. Oh, I think I had pneumonia. Seriously, I think I had pneumonia. I need to go to the doctor still, right? And so I'm wrapped up in this sleeping bag. And I look at Justin. I'm like, dude, are you sleeping? He's like, no. You know, his sleeping bag was just as bad. But we're wrapped up in it, doing our best to stay warm. And so often. We as Christians, we wrap ourselves in our conduct. We wrap ourselves in our spirituality. We wrap ourselves in our efforts and our intentions. We wrap ourselves on yesterday's wine. 
and then we wonder why the strength isn't there. I'm here to tell you, if we sleep in the right sleeping bag, if we put the whole armor of God on, friends, we will have strength, spiritual maturity, which we could use a dose of. Did I say that out loud? Health and the best would be part of God's plan for us. But we cannot live to our standards and expect God to pour out his strength and to do everything he said he was going to do, but we want to play ball like 5%. We cannot do it. Let's be strong in the Lord, but let's live to his standard. Put on the full armor of God. So that way, when the battle comes, and it will come, Pastor Daryl, that we might be found sound good I want to be found standing Adrian I want to be found standing I want the full armor of God yeah you better believe that I'm going to try my best to live in right standing Christian conduct you better believe it but that's not my strength my strength is the Lord my strength is the Lord. I'm going to say one more thing before I move to close in prayer. You guys have been a great audience. I know you want me to go for like another half hour. I, I totally get that. You guys, thank you for all four of you who clapped. That was actually a joke. That was a complete joke. It really was. It really was. I said this first service. I didn't include it, so hopefully it'll make sense to you. And it's out of the context and the, the sort of the, the linear projection of the message. I totally get that, but talking about the strength of God. I'm going to say something that sounds weird. And I said it first service. So let me say it again. I've been married 14 years. I know I only look like I'm 25. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been married 14 years. And my wife will tell you I am not codependent on her for my strength. you got to hear me with this. My strength is in the Lord. I've learned the more I say that, the more uncomfortable people are with me saying that. Because your strength might be coming from the pulpit. Mine is in the Lord. And I believe what the word of the Lord has spoken, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived all that God has in store for those who love him. And I'm simply trying to make this point. My wife brings me joy. She is a blessing to me. But when she is not a blessing to me, and when she does not bring me strength, it doesn't rock my world. Because she's not my strength. Some of us, we're leaning into strength that comes from somebody else. Don't worry, I'm going to wrap up in just a minute, but i got to hit this home. Be strong in the Lord, says the Lord. And we wonder why our world is a mess because you're not leaning into the strength of God. You're leaning into the strength of Pastor Paul or Pastor Bill. And I know this man. And I'm telling you, he doesn't want you looking to him. He wants you looking to God. That's what we want. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
somebody came up to me after service and said, you need to go tell your wife you love her. I said, you weren't listening. I do love her. But God is my strength. He's my source. I'm telling you. I used to think, I'm almost done. I used to think that I was the one who was backwards with that understanding because I didn't see it exemplified. And I'm telling you, that it comes when you put the full armor of God on, that you begin to understand, oh, you're my strength. It really doesn't matter what they say. And they'll say, they'll say, some of the emails I got this week, the counseling. Let's close in prayer. I'm going to invite the prayer partners, prayer team to come down front. You guys are such a great audience, Bear Creek. We're blessed to be able to pastor you. You guys are amazing. The presence of God is in this church. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. Listen to me. I'm going to say, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. And I'm almost done. I still got eight minutes. Five minutes, two minutes. But I'll say this before I, I, I close in prayer. Had somebody write in this week. It doesn't matter who. I was really upset said you can give your Kool-Aid the best is yet to come to somebody else because I'm not buying it. But you can you can dish it out to everybody else. I ain't drinking it. So then you're not drinking the word of God. Because it's not my drink. It's God's drink. You want to take it up to him, glory to God, but I can't do anything with that. Listen to me, this isn't Kool-Aid. I'm not trying to brainwash this room, Rhonda. I'm trying to declare the word of the Lord that the best is yet to come for those who seek him and put him first. And I believe it because God is the strength of my heart. And I'm telling you, he can live in all of us in that way. Let's drink our Kool-Aid and give glory to God. Amen. I like the red Kool-Aid. Let's close in prayer. I'm starting to preach. This is not good. Would you stand with me all over the house? If there's anybody in this room tonight, you, I mean this morning, and you need Jesus, you've never invited him into your heart, you've never let him be the breastplate of righteousness, come meet him at the altar. If you have any need in your life whatsoever, come up to the altar. These beautiful, wonderful people, they're prayed up. They're ready to stand with you by faith in your situation. We're going to sing a song. We're going to close in about three or four minutes when I dismiss you. But the altars are open. Come on up. Uh, have somebody pray with you and believe with you for God to do great and mighty things.
God, we do give you praise because you're worthy of it. Oh, Father God, that we would move from, oh, that's nice, Christians, to I got to have it, Christians. May it begin today as we suit up, as we put on the spiritual armor to fight against a real enemy. And Father, I pray that we would not make the mistake as many of our Christian forefathers have before us of putting our strength in our Christian conduct, of putting our strength in the doctrine, in the principles of our efforts. Know, God, that our strength would be in you and in your righteousness. May we put on the breastplate of righteousness the person, the name of Jesus today and every day forevermore so that when the battle comes, we would be found standing firm. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.